0: Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. You. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Courtney and I are back today with another episode for you. In today's episode, we are talking all about acceptance in all forms. So we're going to kind of go over, you know, different ways to find acceptance in your life and why it's important. So Courtney, how are you today? Beautiful. Beautiful. Feeling good. Feeling ready. Got our coffee while you have your water. I already had two cups of coffee <laughs> and <a> <laughs> <salad> <laughs> of it's because when you're tired, you're tired. Yes. We're going to just dive into this. The way that we're going to kind of do this is we're going to talk about each form of acceptance, how we've experienced it in our own life, and just kind of tips to go along with it. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Perfect. So let's start with number one, which I think is so freaking important, and that is self-acceptance.
1: Ooh. It's a hard one, too.
0: Right? It really is. So let me see. How about you give us an example of how you used to struggle with this, how you may still struggle with this, and ways that you feel like you find self-acceptance.
1: Yeah, I think self-acceptance can be like a spectrum of things it can be like accepting who you are like internally like that internal voice it can be the concept of like being nicer to yourself how do you treat your best friend and then treating yourself that way it could be like your physical appearance and really accepting like that you're like a divine creature it could be so many different things and I name all of those because I struggle with them all but I think one that's important that we've talked about recently is rest and what rest looks like and this concept of earning your rest and so I think a lot of us in America I don't know about the rest of the world we live in that capitalist society where it's like oh you need a side hustle oh you need you need to be like having passive income you you're 21 and you're a millionaire like you've made it but like if you're 30 and you don't have a retirement like how dare you like all these things that you see online that just create such a realm of like guilt and shame around where you are in your life and your own journey so i would say learning that everyone's path is different and living your truest ideal day-to-day life without feeling guilt or shame because of what you feel like is being pushed on you as a narrative of society and that can be really difficult because you see it so much. So one of the things that I started doing is filtering like what I see on my social media. So like for, I only have a personal account, which is a benefit. You have like a business account, which is like, can be really stressful, but my personal account, I filter it to things that like bring me joy that I like to. So like organization, I really am into that. I'm really into different nutritional things. I'm, and I've even filtered out like certain fitness or health and wellness gurus that post about things that trigger me. I'll filter those out too. I've even started to like, you know, get rid of that. And then I always, of course, follow recipes. Now, will I ever make any of those? We don't know.
0: No, but I definitely agree with you, especially with the whole, like comparing yourself to other people and where you're at, especially. And that's something that I've been struggling with a lot recently. And I think it's just because again, and this is another form of acceptance that I have to like find within myself, accepting that you know, I'm not able to get pregnant on the same time frame as everybody else is. So when I'm seeing people like around me getting pregnant, I have to come to terms with like, okay, it's not my time yet. And that's okay. But of course, still allowing myself to process those emotions because we do have to process emotions. But do you find that you have like
1: more, not just negative, but even like possibly like self loathing or like
0: self-hatred like narratives popping up in your head than you did before you were trying to conceive? Absolutely in the beginning of my journey I was you know I found I caught myself saying things like I don't understand like am I not good enough to be a mom? Is this why I'm not getting pregnant? Am I not meant to be a mom? Does you know the universe not want me to be a mom? Do I still have to work on myself? Like putting this like narrative in my head that like I'm not healed enough or I'm not good enough or I'm not ready enough and this is why it's not happening and that can like really put me down
1: that also creates this mentality that like It's similar to the sleep thing. Like you can't be a mom until you've earned it almost like this whole concept of like, you can't have things until you've earned them, Mm. but like not acknowledging like the good things that you're already doing. So like, you're almost like taking all the, it's going to sound funny that I say this, but you're from Massachusetts. So you get it. it takes the piss out of all the things that you've been doing that have been like so monumental because you're so fixated on this one thing. And there's so much guilt and shame and hatred towards yourself that like, you're not even honoring. You've done a lot of amazing things.
0: I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, it's so true. It's, It's that concept of gratitude, right? And this is what we were talking about when we had our little like, so Courtney and I, I think it was like two years ago now, we we're hanging out one night when she was visiting underneath the moon and the stars like in yes, my driveway. Uh-huh. And we were having a great conversation about how we're so quick to want to like rush on to the next phase of life. You reach a milestone and all of a sudden you're like, all right, what's the next milestone I can reach without mm-hmm. actually sitting there in gratitude for what you've accomplished already. Right. You get so almost like complacent, in where
1: you are now, that you forget that it's like something you've been working for and wanting for so long. There's a there's this video I loved for so long that circulated of Snoop Dogg being like, he was getting like a Hollywood Walk of Fame star or something. And he was like, for uh, he's like, and lastly, I'd like to thank me for being me and showing up. <laughs> Everyone thought it was so funny, but then I saw like a follow up interview the other day of him being like, you don't thank yourself, he's like, me. Like that was my mental health being in a really good place because I was acknowledging I was self-validating like all of that hard work that I did instead of relying on other people to give me congratulations and honor what I did. I was honoring myself and recognizing like, yeah, I did a ton of shit to get to where I am and I should be proud of that. And if you can't tell yourself that, then where, where do we lie? Like it's important. He was just saying how important it is to mental health.
0: I love that. That is so, so important. And it really is that self-validation, right? Because we've been taught all of our lives to look for validation externally we go to school and we get grades and like, we need that grade to validate how smart we are, or we need our parents to tell us we're doing a good job in order to believe we're a good person. All of these like external circumstances of looking for that external validation. It's like, no, we have to learn how to give that to ourselves. And that's what self-acceptance is really is like validating who you are, loving who you are, accepting that. we're I think the most important thing is also accepting that everyone has flaws. No one is perfect. Uh, another one, accepting that you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna fuck up.
1: Hmm, yeah, and, and changing your perspective, which is really difficult because I don't know if you've struggled with this. I'm sure you have a good experience you can draw from, but the fact that like, I went to school for, as the first person in my family to go to college, and I go to college and I go to a school at first that I thought would be great. Then I have to transfer schools. Then I finally graduate, I finally get a job, and I realize you don't make any money with that job. and And at that point, I was fifty, sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt with the government. And I just felt so self-defeated that I, ended, I was making more money previously being a waitress than I was making in a, with a four-year degree, a bachelor's degree at this job. And I felt so blindsided and robbed because it's not like I had a useless degree, right? It was a science degree. You would think, oh, there's a million things you could do with a biology degree, And I remember like making the decision to go back to nursing school and just so many times before that feeling so, so defeated by like life and circumstances and the whole way that all these systems are set up. Right. But I threw my degree, my bachelor's degree at the wall one day because I was crying and upset. And I told my husband, I said, this is the dumbest fucking piece of paper that cost me $60,000 and it does nothing for me. And it was just a really dark place. And then, you know, it turns out that that degree helped me in a lot of ways because a lot of the classes that I took, I didn't have to retake to get my nursing degree. I was able to take a shorter program for my nursing degree. And then now I'm looking at going to a graduate school for nursing. And a lot of the schools are like, wait, you have a biology degree, you went, you have a whole science background. And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, that's going to put you up on the list. Mm -hmm. And so now it's, it's like, it's interesting, because something that I thought made me feel defeated and like, shamed and guilted, because I didn't know what I was doing in my life since I was the first one. And I didn't have any like, guidance or anything. It's now turning out that this may actually be a really big positive. And so it goes to show that like, sometimes you think you've lost out or you're missing Something where you've got FOMO, and it turns out that, like, there's a bigger divine plan in place for you, you just can't see it yet.
0: Absolutely, especially in that moment of defeat. I feel like that's automatically the emotion or like the feeling that we jump to is looking at it from the worst possible perspective. And if we can just learn how to look at things from not so much the worst possible outcome, but maybe well what is the best outcome in this scenario? And I know that's really optimistic. And that's very Sagittarius of me to say. <laughs> it is um, super hard when you're in the thick of it. Absolutely. So, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I've been there too. You know, the hardest challenge for me was when I was in college, and then I decided to drop out. I decided to drop out after two and a half, no, not even two and a half years, I think it was like one and a half year. And in that moment, I was like, screw this. I I don't like college. I'm wasting my money. I can't stand any of my teachers. This is just a waste of my time. I'm taking classes that have nothing to do with what I want to do. So I'm not passionate about it. And I feel like I'm wasting my money. And so I dropped out and then I was waitressing, like, you know, waitressing full time, just barely making it by most of the time not making it by using credit cards to like buy groceries and stuff. And it's just like, that moment of my life was awful. I was so broke. I was miserable. I was crying to my husband who was my boyfriend at the time every night just talking about how much I hated what I was doing and I had no passion and I was so afraid I was going to be stuck there. And the one thought that kept repeating in my head was, well, you're a failure because you dropped out of college and the only way you're going to succeed is if you go to college, right? Because that's what everybody tells you. Like literally
1: the whole narrative, which you have to side note, a lot of these like private schools are privately owned and they're run like businesses. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder what the fucking motivation is behind these degrees, especially ones that don't make oh, it's any the money. money.
0: It's always the money. It's and, the money. And that's the that's the thing too. I feel like a lot of us can get caught in the money mindset trap of like, all right, well, what path can I take that's going to make me the most money? Or like, what path can I take that's going to, you know, bring me the most like material possessions? Like we're always fixated on the money and then we don't go after what we really want because mm. of the money.
1: Yes, there's a Gary Vee quote I shared on Facebook the other day talking where he was like, 7 billion people need to change the narrative of what success looks like. Success yeah. is not being a billionaire or a millionaire. It's not Elon Musk. It's not Mark Zuckerberg. That's not what success is. Or even who's the guy? Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon. Like that's not success. What success is is waking up every day and enjoying what you do and being happy. He's like, I have so many friends who are multimillionaires who hate life. And then I have friends who make $50,000 a year and they're completely content yeah and, and, that's, and that's,
0: that's true 100 i think we all need to really ask ourselves what does success mean to me and then create your life around that for me i just want to be able to wake up and not have anybody control what i choose to do with my life life mm-hmm. they, like, I, like like I don't want you to tell me yeah Like, I don't want you to tell me that I have to clock in at 9 a.m. I'm not going to clock in at 9 a.m. I'm going to clock in and I want to clock in and I'm going to do my work and I want to do my work. And I want, you know, just to live my life kind of like in this free flowing state. I don't like feeling trapped and contained. And for some people, they love routine, right? So Mm -hmm. success to them is like, I feel very structured. I feel very organized. I feel very like, you know, I have targets that I'm hitting and, you know, doing it that way for me I just I don't really need that I don't like that that constrains me and Mm. then I like you know it's like the whole financial freedom thing but at the same time it does financial freedom look like a billion dollars like in hindsight oh how cool does that sound but that also sounds freaking awful as well yeah because it it's sounds... almost like I think
1: a good exercise for the audience and it's it, it's a matter of sitting down and doing these things because you and I have done them at different points but it would be interesting when you come to visit if we do like a little writing exercise together and then share mm-hmm. if you have of like what our perfect day would look like yeah of like like our ideal day even you could even take it a step further and make yourself like it sounds lame but make yourself like a vision board of like where do you like where do you end up and it doesn't need to necessarily be pictures of material items although those I think could be on there but like more like you know is your end goal like having more time to travel or spend more time with family like yeah. what
0: what are you actually like going yeah. through? Yeah, I I like to really tune into like, how do I want to feel? Mm. I feel like that is so important. Do I want to feel stressed out? No. Do I want to feel content, inner peace? Yes. What do you want your view to be, be when you look out your window of your house? You know, things like that, I feel like are so important. Because The more I work from home, the more I'm like, I don't see myself living here full term, but I'm so grateful for my home and I make sure to go through every time I'm in my home, I'm so grateful for it and I really try to practice gratitude for it while also knowing that my end goal is to have a home that has a more either like nature, quiet, scenic view, not so much neighbors on top of you kind of like atmosphere. Mm, You want
1: more inclusion, more nature focused Mm -hmm. than you have now.
0: Yeah. And maybe like a body of water. Doesn't have to be the ocean. Doesn't have to be a lake. Even like a little quiet creek or something. Little pond, little manly pond, something.
1: Yeah, that's cute.
0: Yeah, well, so that definitely was a little bit of a sidetrack, but we love it. It's fine.
1: Every time we record, by the way, I look up and every single time we record, I always see two -two
0: -two -two. two, two, two repeating numbers. Ah, oh, love it. So, the next one we're going to talk about is how to accept the past for what it is and how to move on and find closure from the past. Ooh, this is a good one. And I feel like for me personally, I actually I was reflecting on this the other day and I'm so freaking proud of my growth, honestly. I think about how I used to think about the past back in the day and how resentful I was and how my mind was super resentful around the past and Mm -hmm. now I find that my mind is a lot more at peace with the past and it took me a lot of work to get there though yeah I think too like I think we've mentioned
1: this before in other recordings but a lot of people also think that like when you try to find your own closure you accept the past or you accept like the past is like Kind of a vague term, but it could be like a situation you had with someone in your life or something like that happened in your life and caused like this whole trajectory, like the butterfly effect movie. But it's like, you're not excusing or giving leniences for what happened. You're deciding me holding on to these feelings is not serving me anymore. So I'm going to find my own way of processing this so that I'm not holding on to those feelings anymore because it's just bringing you down.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And I think that's a huge reason as to why so many cannot find closure from the past because they believe that, you know, having closure and accepting the past for what it is means that they're accepting that it's okay what happened. Mm -hmm. yeah like like the biggest misconception
1: yeah there's like a forgot what it was there's like a Taylor Swift quote that she said recently and I saw well I don't think she said it recently but it was just like something I saw recently where she was basically saying that she was like in the interview they were like have you like gotten over and she's like oh, no. And they were like, are you? And she's like, no. She's like, but I'm also not going to let it like, you know, consume me every day either. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just gonna move on with my life and know that like this has occurred.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I guess like the one example I could give for myself which I'm sure you guys probably already heard this a tons of times. But I was really reflecting a lot on my relationship with my dad the other day and how the narrative that I had about him has changed completely. And I think that's what's helped me the most. And this is not going to apply for everyone because not everybody has a person in their life who they can rekindle with the way that I did Mm -hmm. with my dad and that's totally okay. But for those of you who may be listening who have even the slightest bit of hope for, like, a relationship in your life with somebody who you really care about, maybe you'll find this helpful. I don't know. But regardless, you know, my dad and I, we've been through a shit ton in the past, a lot of, like, animosity, anger, resentment, and to be honest, I've even had resentment in the past for my mom, too, for certain things. But I've come to a point in my life now where I am able to reflect in such a way that I'm also able to see their perspective in a sense, even though maybe not fully, right. but I can see why they might have done the things they did and why they had to do what they did. And not like so had to, like, of course, didn't have to, but at the same time, you see like how they got to that
1: decision or how they got to like that movement yeah and you're like okay i can i can see how you got there so it almost gives you this perspective of for your own inner peace of being more empathetic to like where they were at like emotionally and mentally i think the other important thing that you're kind of bringing up is that like where you are spiritually mentally emotionally maturity wise right now is like past where your parents even were when this stuff occurred Mm -hmm. so you're mature enough and like emotionally aware enough to be like coming at it from that angle of empathetic almost
0: towards them Yeah. And I think that's what's helped me so much because before when I did not have this kind of like awareness in my life where I hadn't been doing the inner work, I was so, so resentful that anytime I would try to talk to my parents, I would come at them defensively. I would not give them the space to come at me in like complete kindness, although most of the time they really did try. But at the same time, I was still like butting heads with them. And I could not even, especially with my dad, like, I found everything he said to really freaking bother me. I was like, so oh. yeah, I was just like, oh, what you're saying right now, it's just like so annoying, like, stop talking. Like, that was the <laughs> kind of energy I had back then because I had so much resentment towards him for the past. But then... As I started doing my inner work, as I started doing that healing and I started to like really look at things from different perspectives and find more compassion in my own heart, I was able to show up in conversations with a more compassionate heart, which allowed him to actually embrace change and show me That he can change. But before that, I wasn't giving him the space to do so whatsoever because I was Mm -hmm. so resentful. So that really helped me. And I think at the end of the day too, it's like what happened in the past happened and we cannot change it. So the more you fixate on trying to like hold on to it, trying to, I don't know, whatever we think we can do by holding on to it. We can't do shit by holding on to it, (laughs) except for like piss ourselves (laughs) off. (laughs) <laughs> Every single time we think about it, so what's the point? Honestly, it's really not helping you. It's not helping anybody else. And another thing that I talked about on, I think on a different episode, is the fact that like something that really would bother me, and I don't know if you can relate to this at all, Courtney, which I'm sure you probably can. But back when I was really still resentful towards my dad, and people were talking about him in such a positive light, it bothered me to it pissed much. you off, yeah.
1: Oh, it pissed you off so much. You're like,
0: it would bother me to my core because I'm like, I just want to be like, how can you see that? Like, how can you say that about him when he did this to me and he did that to me? And like, like, yeah, you're just
1: like, he's not even a good person,
0: basically. And that's like, like how I felt as like my teenage self, my younger self felt so frustrated. I'd go to visit my dad and we'd go to church and you know, everybody's like, Oh, your dad's such a good guy. And you know, he's he does so much, you must be so lucky to have him as your dad. And I just remember being so frustrated by those statements. and I wanted to be like, it's okay, well, I grew up without him most of my life, but okay. That's interesting, too. Because like, you could also take this perspective of like, by not
1: processing how you felt or the situation fully you weren't able to hold space for who he was at that time or even like well not now right because now you obviously can't but like you weren't holding space for his growth exactly because not only did you not see it but you like you didn't see his progression and these people did but also you were still harboring all these things that you felt like you guys hadn't like cleared the air on and so you're like you're not holding space and allowing him to progress and i think that's what you're saying anyway but it's just interesting to hear that like that example because it really clicks like what you were saying before, like you're just not giving that person the opportunity to grow. And I think we all do that with like past things. Like you hold on to, and people do it to us too. Like as individuals, people have a narrative of who you are. And they like in high school, with, like, past projection of who you yeah. were, and it doesn't allow you in their mind to grow and formulate. And they don't even see who you are now. My husband has that happen to him all the time. Oh, dad's side of the family he had so many like behavioral issues growing up and now every time he tries to like voice his boundaries or voice what's wrong they're like oh he's just having a behavioral problem and it's like no he's actually a mature adult who's like expressing himself and you're not even giving him space to hear him and recognizing that like he's trying to come at a situation in an actual like healthy way
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the point I'm trying to make too, because it's like, I think it's also important to realize like how we've said before, everybody has a different version of you in their mind. So Mm -hmm. I had that version of my dad in my mind. However, people that he knew now don't have that version of him in their mind because they didn't know him back then, but but that goes to show that he's not the same person as he was back then because if he was, they would see him the way that I did in a way. But in reality, he is a helpful, kind-hearted, always willing to like go the extra mile for the ones that he loves, big heart, generous, and I wasn't seeing any of that because I was still holding on to a past version of him. Right. And so, if we allow people this space to grow we see this with cancel culture all the time as well where it's like people are so quick to just cut people off and shut people down and not give them the opportunity or their space to grow and people have this fixated mindset on oh no they'll never change people can never change and while yes maybe that's true for some people that can be absolutely true but for others maybe it's not and maybe we have to just allow them the space to show us without Mm. resentful
1: which I think could also transmute into I think we can skip to this one because this ties in really good which is accepting people for who they are and deciding if it's healthy healthy to keep them in your life so there comes a point too where okay, maybe the path, like you're working on the past, you're working on processing, and it has to do with a specific relationship or a specific person. And if you're doing the work, and you're still trying to keep this person in your life, and you reach a point where you are working on journaling and reflecting, and you really find that the other person isn't is triggering you isn't serving you isn't hearing what you're saying isn't willing to work on the relationship may even be like a drug abuser or emotionally or physically abusive Mm -hmm. that's not someone that you need to or are required to keep in your life and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who it is like I was hardcore emotionally abused physically abused manipulated and neglected by my mom and it became a point where I had to decide do I want this person in my life anymore I know that she's my mom but it's not a relationship that first of all the relationship didn't exist it was one way and secondly all it did was hurt me every time we talked every time we interacted and so it became something that you made me really aware of was boundaries and then I I listened to a book I think it's called boundaries which is really interesting because the book I can remember who the author is. The book actually talks about the relationship of boundaries and Christian Christian teachings in the Christian church because the guy is actually, I think, a pastor and how it's like misrepresented. Like you're not supposed to give, 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 give from yourself when you've got nothing
0: to give because you're actually not serving yourself. Um, And that creates even more resentfulness, by the way. If you're giving, giving, you have nothing to give, you'll be more resentful. Right.
1: And so that book really helped me see a lot of things. And then the other book I've mentioned before, which is Mother Hunger, that helped me realize a lot of the aspects of things that weren't functional in our relationship and my mom wasn't willing to even acknowledge existed. And so it became a point where having her in my life wasn't something I could continue.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why I love that we both have two opposite experiences because we can like talk about both of them, right? Like we can talk about how important it is to set boundaries and cut people off who are freaking toxic. And then we can also talk about how you can show compassion for people who are willing to do the work Mm. and like allow them to do the work.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is like with that boundary of cutting someone out of your life, it do- it can be permanent and that's for you to gauge. But it doesn't always have to, too. Like it can be, you know, where you tell the person like I just can't, you know, speak to you right now, like let's, you know, give it a break. And there's someone in my life who is doing that with their parent and did that with their parent and their parent really woke up to, wow, my own kid doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And now they're in family therapy Mm -hmm. and they're really trying to work on what's wrong in their relationship and talk about it. And that's really powerful too. So I think there's many different avenues where you can, you know, take that break boundary of not communicating. And then when you're both ready and willing, you could do family therapy. You do uh, many different things to try to learn how to communicate with each other.
0: So you're both actively hearing and listening. Absolutely. And to kind of tie into the whole like accepting people for who they are and then deciding what you want to do from there. Another way to look at this is for people who are refusing to see people for who they really are. And instead, you're holding on to this version of them who you hope they will be, but oh. you put yourself in the toxicity of the relationship you're in because of that hopefulness that they're going to change, even though they show you time and time again oh my God. that they're not going to.
1: I feel like TV shows and movies are so bad for perpetuating this mindset, especially on women. Oh, if you're a good woman, you can change him from being like someone who's abusive or someone who's a drug addict or someone who's an alcoholic. And I experienced that with my boyfriend previous to my now husband. And we dated for like six years and so he was addicted to alcohol. He was addicted to Percocets. He was addicted to oxycodone. He was addicted to weed and his... His family, like, probably even to this day, like, doesn't believe me. Only one of his siblings, like, really believed me because she lived with him and knew, like, mm, something's weird. But he had all these addictions and it was hard because his family didn't understand. And then it became like he was also addicted to cheating. Started becoming like a chronic cheater and the whole mentality that like I was seeing on TV and in TV shows. And then what I was hearing from my mom was you need to make it work. They're a good person. If you're a good enough person, you can change them. And the relationship became exhausting because it became a one-sided relationship where I was trying to fix someone who didn't want to fix themselves. Mm -hmm. And it became really unhealthy really quickly. Yeah in a couple of different ways and it's like you can't fix someone if they want to change they'll change but you can't stop living your own life and you can't live a life where you're self-sacrificing your own hopes and dreams and happy like daily happiness to be there for someone else it's too much it is too much
0: and it kind of brings up this whole like topic of like how we all have expectations in relationships, right? Where we like hold people to certain expectations. But what I've found to be true is that it is nobody's job to like live up to our expectations and we don't have to live up to their expectations either. And what it comes down to is you take people for who they are and you ask yourself, is this the kind of love I'm worthy of? If not, then it's time to cut ties and go our separate ways. Yes, I love that. Like the whole portion of like, is this
1: relationship something that I want or I can handle? Or or actually even better. Spiritually.
0: Yeah. Even better. Ask yourself this. Is this how I would treat myself? Hmm, That's a really good one. Yeah. Because if I would treat myself this way, then okay. Well, maybe because I really can feel like at sometimes the relationships in our life really work well as a mirror to ourselves. Hmm. depending on where you're
1: at in life and how you just disclaimer and all of this is that you'll have to do the self-accepting first
0: yeah exactly <laughs> so that
1: you're nice to yourself
0: exactly <laughs> and that that's the key find self-acceptance self-love self-care and you'll find that you're no longer going to be putting up with anything less than what you deserve which is fulfilling happy relationships that are actually built on trust love and compassion support and are an equal give and take and maybe not always equal give and take because sometimes you know your partner's gonna come home and they're freaking drained and they're gonna have 20% to give but then you know that the next day if you have only 20% to give they'll be able to give that 80 and it's Mm -hmm. like you know you're really there for each other as a team and not cutting each other down beating each other up just no none of that Mm, so powerful which I I think all of
1: that stuff honestly leads into the the next one too, which is accepting other people's actions and that you can't control their actions, but you control how you react. So Mm -hmm. there's also that element of... You know, when you tell someone a boundary or you tell someone like you're cutting communication with them or I really think it's more the boundary. And this could even be like work situations, life situations, friends, relationships, family, anything. You can tell them like this is my boundary and this is why it's my boundary. And some people, especially immature people, take everything personally. So they're not going to hear that you need that you need something, even if you frame it in like, we just talked about like that communicating language of like, instead of using you, you say I, where you're like, I need this because of X, Y, and Z, because it makes me feel blah, blah, blah. And you take that personal element out of it. They still take it personally because they're just not mature. And so knowing that you can't control how they're going to react to what you're saying. And this one's hard, especially for me in like a, work kind of way because some people can be so confrontational and you're like it doesn't need to turn into that it's just like this is where I'm at this is how I feel like let's just like in I'm such a projector and like so logical that I'm like it it doesn't need to get all emotional like this is just how it is and let's just like talk squash it move on
0: and not everyone is like that I honestly think one of the best skills that anyone can learn is how to have Healthy conflict. Oh, there should be classes. Like we need to start a separate like mental health school
1: <laughs> and te- like, make slideshows and have how how to, classes uh, of, like humans on it. A- how to deal with healthy conflict and like coach people through how to like develop these skills? Because I feel like we did not the too many of us did not develop this shit like growing mm-hmm.
0: up. Uh, So many of us were just surrounded by unhealthy communication and conflict that was unhealthy. Instability. So many of our parents are divorced. And I feel like that's created this, at
1: least for me, I don't know how you feel, of this constant, like, almost worry. That I'm going to lose everything. And I don't, maybe there's other things that also contribute to it, but this constant underlying, minute, like nano worry that if I say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, especially at work, that like I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to lose
0: everything. And that's not even based in any rational. Well, I feel about, I feel that way too about mine as well. Even doing these podcast episodes, half the time I'm like, oh, and what I'm saying, is it going to be taken the wrong way? Is it going to piss people off? off and yeah it all it kind of comes back to this whole um what's the word I'm looking for oh uh, imposter syndrome I get that a ton with what I do and feeling like I'm not good enough or that I don't know enough to be sharing what I share and like I'm um, maybe you feel that way at work you feel like you don't know enough or you're not you know whatever because yeah. you're, you're still considered like new compared to other people who you work with
1: yeah and it's hard because even people who have like three years of experience i'll be doing something and like they'll make it a point to come up to me and like try to point out how what i'm doing is wrong and i'll go talk to one of my night nurses who's a fellow friend who's got like 20 30 years of experience and be like hey this is what this is the situation this is what i did i had a day nurse come up to me and tell me like i should be doing x y and z and the night nurse is like no No, like they're completely wrong. Like you, you did everything you were supposed to do. They're completely, they're miseducated and now they're like spreading it. And I'm just like, Mm. okay, cool. But that also leads to like self-confidence problems in my job because I feel like now I've got to go like validate what I was doing with someone else who's got more experience because now I don't trust what I'm doing because someone else was like inappropriately trying to like tell me how to do my job. I I don't Mm. like being micromanaged.
0: Yeah. And I do think there is this this place of ego that people come at when they, you know, say certain things, trying to make you feel as if you don't know as much as they do. Why can't we just lead from a place of compassion when we want to try to like... Or even learning, like yeah. lead from a place of like kindness
1: and learning. Like I get it if someone's not humble, right? But if we're like a new generation coming into certain situations and being like, I'm here. I'm humble. I want to learn as much as I can. Why do you have to make somebody feel like shit about the way that they're doing things if they're here and they're like, I'm here
0: to learn. That's why I will say I will always own up to the fact that I do not know it all. And anybody who thinks they know it all, that's who you should be worried of. Because nobody knows it all. And if they believe they know it all, that means they do not have a growth mindset and they're coming at it from a place of they think that they're good at how they are and they're not willing to do any work. So Mm -hmm. in my perspective, in my opinion, I think it's really important to have a growth mindset and to be willing to continuously learn Every single day, we're always learning something new. We're always growing as a human every single day. So, if you're at a point in your life where you're like, oh no, like I'm good. I know it all. Like there's not more for me to learn. You're really closed off. Reflect on that a little bit.
1: That goes into our other like acceptance, which was like accepting that not everyone has to think the same and then respecting the difference and creating a space for the way different ways that people think. Mm -hmm. And that is really important because. You may not agree with how someone like that's the whole premise of why this country like was started. You don't have to agree with what someone else is doing or saying or how they're living their life. But the fact that you can just acknowledge, okay, you just you have a different set of morals and how you're going to guide yourself but you don't have to change how you are for that. I don't know if that makes any sense. Just no, like, I definitely different get what different you're people, saying. Different people are going to learn and do things differently. And that's okay. Not, I think we have become, I don't know if it's like the internet or 100%, 100% the internet the anxiety driven. Where like too many people now are type A where they're like, I want this done. I want it done this way. And if you don't do it that way, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And if the end result doesn't look exactly like my expectation of how it should look, then you fucked it up. <laughs>
0: and that's not realistic. Yeah. And and I really can't, like. it's really hard for me to get behind the the way of thinking where it's like, this is the only way to do something. Because I really do believe there are so many ways to get to a certain outcome. So when people are very fixated on like one specific mindset and they cannot see it any other way, I just know in myself that I'm like, okay, I respect that. Like I respect that you have that belief, but for my own mental health, I'm going to have to monitor like what we talk about so that I'm not feeling attacked constantly. Mm, Yeah. Cause a lot of those personality types are like, are, are very like passionately
1: driven by like, well, you're wrong. And you're like, am I wrong? Or am I just different, and you can't acknowledge that there's a difference? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think we all go through patterns like that. Like there's different aspects of each of our lives. And I think like, no one's going to be perfect all the time. Like you're not always going to be open to receiving, right? Because if you're not well rested, you're not well nourished, you're not emotionally in a good place. Like you're not going to be open to those things. Mm. You're going to be closed off because you don't have the energy to really like hold that space because holding space is exhausting. So I think that that also, you know, ties back into don't guilt and shame yourself. If you you go home from a tough day of whatever it is and you sit down and you're like, shit, like I didn't hold space for that person in like our conversation. I just fucking talked over them the whole time, the whole time or, <laughs> or something like that. You know, yeah. like, it can yeah. be simple stuff. Don't guilt yourself. Just say, okay, like, The fact that I'm even at this place where I can reflect that that's something I was doing,
0: that's really powerful. Absolutely. And when it comes to like the whole like differences of like beliefs and stuff, this is something too that I definitely know a lot about because My entire family is super religious and has all of these different beliefs than I do. And I struggled with this in the beginning of my spiritual journey because I was into tarot and I'm into astrology and I love things like that. I'm not somebody who wants to go to church. Do I believe in God? Yes, but in my own way, not in like the way that I learned growing up as a Catholic. And so that was really hard for me for a really long time because When I would bring up my own beliefs, my family was very quick to, you know, direct it back to their belief and talk about how mine may not be correct or how mine could be harmful or damaging. And so I had to really work on that for a long time. And now I've come to a place in my life where I can have these conversations with them without becoming defensive. I can, you know, really gauge on when I want to talk about it and when I don't want to. And most of the time, I just try not to talk about religion with them because I know we have different beliefs and if it comes up, that's fine. But at the same time, I set those boundaries because I know that it can take a toll on my mental health. And it it creates self-doubt in my own beliefs and I just don't think that's fair for me and I don't think it's fair for me to also push my beliefs onto them because I know that's not what they believe in. So having those boundaries and really knowing when to have those conversations and when not to in order to protect your inner peace, I think is really important.
1: Mm, I think the whole concept of like what you're talking about would be really important oh god this is gonna be such a touchy subject because it's like all over social media but like a lot of like the conversations happening around like transgenderism it's like you have to like those people personally can like protect their own belief systems and how they feel and just understanding that there may be a point where there are going to be people you encounter who don't accept the way that you are or aren't going to comply to the things that you ask them to do. But protecting yourself and your own peace enough to know that like their opinions and how they want to live their life is separate from you and Mm. not take it personally.
0: Yeah, that's the Um, thing about beliefs, right? And like, at the end of the day, I feel like it's like a core piece of who we are. And if people
1: don't acknowledge it or see it, we take it personally. And this again, leads back to the maturity of like, knowing that if someone doesn't see the same perspective as you, it's not, it's not a personal
0: attack on your belief systems or who you are. They're just different. Exactly. And I think that's where the self-validation comes from, right? We look to other people to validate our beliefs in order for us (laughs) to believe it, right? It's like, I'm only going to believe my belief if somebody else validates it for me so if they're not validating it for me it like triggers you because now you feel as if your belief is wrong but in reality that's not what's going on it's more so you just have a different viewpoint than somebody else and a lot of our beliefs are based off of our own life experiences Mm -hmm. so that's why it's really hard for some of us to put ourselves into the shoes of other people who have certain beliefs that we don't believe in because we have not lived their life and their experience so therefore how are we able to see where they're coming from? from it's really hard and that's where the compassion and empathy comes in where you're able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and be like okay I understand why you may believe like the way that you do about this certain issue topic whatever it may be yeah you know what's
1: interesting too is the flip side of that which it which is like and I had this epiphany recently, like journaling, and and I had like a huge disagreement with my husband, which sparked all of this, is also the concept of being young and internalizing the opinions that other people place on you about who you are as you're growing up and becoming an adult and realizing that a lot of your struggles with self-acceptance is that you're living your life based on the perceptions that other people have planted in your brain as who you are instead of who you really are because you don't even know how to talk to yourself anymore you're just like living this weird like robotic narrated version of who you are because adults which we know are just giant teenagers because we're adults now um (laughs) are just, like, forcing their opinions and their narratives of who they see you as. But that, like, once you become an adult or once you become, you know, in this place where you can hold space and have reflective practices in your life, you don't have to live based on these narratives of other people. And you have to ask yourself, what's the quality of the person who even gave you those narratives? And then you have to take it one step further of, like, how how healthy of a person were putting these narratives on you. So for instance, like an example I would use was that I always believed that I was like ugly because I was teased and bullied in like middle school. And I have such deep rooted self-confidence issues as an adult and I was journaling about experiences and people and narratives that have led to my self-confidence issues and I'm thinking while I'm journaling about these experiences who were the people that placed those on me and I'm thinking about you know where they are now and how what their life looks like and I'm like why 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 am I allowing my fully adult self who's done all these amazing things to be impacted in such a large negative way on a day-to-day basis by people who like don't almost don't even matter
0: yeah i mean yeah because they're not in your life anymore so it's like why do we allow them to affect us so heavily and why are we so fixated also on the past so much to the point where we're like still comparing ourselves to these people mm-hmm. and at the end of the day too i think something that we really struggle with is this whole pedestal concept where it's like We put people on pedestals and we see them above us, which therefore makes their opinion about us that much more impactful or stronger because we believe that their opinion has some sort of significance because they're above us. I really want to challenge people to see everybody on the same level mm, on the same really level popular. we're all humans we all have life experiences we've all been through shit we've all struggled different struggles yes and it
1: even starts but, in like small children because even as small children like you start to see like the cliques break off in school and you're like oh well like this person's on a pedestal because they're popular mm-hmm. and like even that is like a child narrative is so dangerous well, that's
0: where the, the pedestal starts
1: yeah, it starts in like this whole school system and this hierarchy. And it And uh, you know where
0: it moves well. on to. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to no, say go ahead. It, it moves on to now it's celebrities, right? Famous people. Mm-hmm. They're the pedestal in and rich, people. A rich people, wealthy people. Yeah. yeah. And the authority figures, like the president, the government, the cops, all the the people in these like authority roles where we put them on a pedestal above us. But in reality, it's like they live a normal life just like us of course they have differences right it's not I mean you got billions of dollars you got different problems but at the end of the day (laughs) yeah yeah but (laughs) at the end of the day their shit is not together just as much as our shit is not together yeah it's like in other aspects yeah yeah because you have to ask yourself
1: too like all these people who are like uber wealthy and they don't want for anything they're existentially fucking lost they're so lost they're lost in the sense of reality they're lost in the sense of like meaningful connections like you hear it all the time like i watched the documentary about ed sheeran's like newest album that he made on disney and he was you know his friends were like well he hasn't turned into a complete arse so i guess i guess he's pretty cool still because he's like pretty wealthy and pretty famous and in that documentary you know connecting all these concepts he was talking about how he was living in LA and he was at a party and he got a phone call from his dad and his dad was like yeah like your grandpa passed away and he was just standing in a room full of people in LA no one gave a shit no one knew him really well and like He's like, if I was home and I was with my mates, like in England and London, they'd be like, let's go somewhere. Let's go get coffee. Let's go get a beer. Let's go talk about how, like how you're feeling, what's going on. Like, let's tell us some stories, like whatever. And it, and I hear that all the time as someone who lives in Texas and a lot of people moving from California, people from California are like, it's so fake it's bullshit like no one gives a shit about anyone else and how they're feeling and what's really going on and making meaningful connections and so like people will move out here and you have real conversations with people and they're like oh my god I've actually like connected with someone and it's just wild that, you know, these people who live in that realm of like LA and that whole entertainment, wealth driven society. not externally driven. Yeah. They're not making any meaningful connections, which means they're completely lost spiritually and soul wise.
0: Yeah. Although I will say, I do believe there are people in the entertainment d- industry, who do see things differently and aren't as probably caught up in the materialism? Of at all. Gomez.
1: Yeah, and things like, like she's probably a- one of them because she and I feel like she's really in touch with this because she's someone who's never pissed off by seeing
0: her fans. Like she under- sure.
1: understands. But also,
0: her. it's really hard for me to actually. I guess talk about the celebs in that way because at the end of the day I don't think we really know who they really are truly mm-hmm. we only see what they show us and exactly. I think that's yeah. what we also can struggle with as a collective as a society is when it comes to celebrities we are quick to make assumptions and judgments
1: Even about on them. social media period like people who
0: function just on social media yeah
1: I remember my macro coach being like yeah it's really easy to get overwhelmed because you see someone who's a certain body type and they'll post like, "Oh, this is what I ate in a day," and you see all this stuff they're eating, and you're like, "Well, how come I can't eat that much?" Mm-hmm. She's like, "That doesn't. It
0: doesn't mean that their story's true. That could be a lot. Exactly. Lie. Exactly. A exactly. People The time online, and they show you what you know they want to show you. You know, people can put on fronts. People can act one way to their fans, but behind the scenes, they could be absolutely awful to their partner. Or like, it's never not for them, or what, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So. What I think is so, so important as a collective is to stop being so concerned about how everybody is living their life and focus on how you can impact the collective and society in general by your own good choices that are aligned with your values and just being a more compassionate human being. Like refocusing and reshaping, like not just what serves me
1: but like how can I serve the collective in my community yeah. Yeah. That, that's so interesting because I'm actually super passionate about the concept of sustainability mm-hmm. and I didn't know that you can get a graduate degree in sustainability and now I'm like do I want to go to grad school for nursing or do I want to go to grad school for for sustainability I think you really need you to ask
0: yourself what fulfills uh, me more
1: well honestly if it was really up to me I'd do both hey but, but I'm really passionate about the concept of getting somebody. Okay, so if someone's listening who has a lot of money and wants to do good with it, I have this whole thing I want to do where like there's, whenever we drive to Colorado, this is a side rant, everyone, so I'm sorry. There, Whenever we drive to Colorado, because we like to go camping usually once a year in Colorado, because it's too friggin' hot here to go camping in August in Texas. We drive through West Texas and there's all these closed... Farms, or they're completely brown, or you drive by those giant cattle farms where it's all these like cows smushed and smushed together, right? And my dream is to try to really help the regenerative agriculture in the United States and really make a huge shift in the agricultural industry that we have here to sustainability and getting these farms who are tilling the land and using chemical fertilizers and really getting um, someone who's got some real power in the terms of like financial support to switch these farms over to teaching these individual farmers who are struggling how to do regenerative farming or teach people who want to be farmers who aren't yet how to do that. And it's literally going to create this tenfold in my mind of it's better for the environment. These farms are going to thrive. The farmers are going to thrive financially. And then it's going to bleed into being really good for those communities because they're going to have more jobs. And then it's going to bleed into happiness and healthiness in the animals and then we consume those animals and they're happy and healthy and we're consuming that and then it's just something obviously I'm passionate
0: about right I love that vision so I'm just like this is clear you're so passionate as you're talking about it that it's clear I feel like need to go how
1: how do I do it is the last question
0: yeah I mean I would say start with number one taking classes right so it's a it's a thing it's it's in here. There's a lot of things I'm actually
1: passionate about that do and don't have to do with like what I normally do for work. But these would be like this would be something that I don't actually get to to do on a regular basis for work that I would love to do.
0: Absolutely, I think I say go after it because you are so passionate about it. I can tell just by the way that you were talking about it. So hey, I'm I'm a huge believer of going after your passions. <laughs> you know that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's the one of the reasons why like I want to buy a large chunk of land and build a house on it is because I want to make myself sustainable off the land so that I'm, I'm not curious eating. of you I love it yeah we'll see because I kill like 90 I, I have a track record of killing like
0: all my plants so <laughs> we'll see what happens yeah <laughs> I'm definitely horrible at that too Uh, well I feel like this was a great episode I can't believe we're very passionate both of us are very passionate about these subjects I know I hope you guys found it helpful we always love coming on here talking to you guys and we love connecting with you so thank you again for listening and we shall see you guys next week then have a good week until next time